This podcast is brought to you by Voice of Vets. Voice of Vets. Hear it. Feel it. Feel it. Feel it. And on this edition of the show, we are going to take a look at the way in which this pandemic has made the lives of informal traders even more difficult. And we're going to explore the various areas of recourse that informal traders have to help mitigate the impacts of the coronavirus pandemic on their operations. And to help us facilitate this discussion, we are speaking to Rashida Muller, the president of the South African Informal Traders Alliance, or SAITA for short, joining us on the COVID report to give us a clear indication of what impact the COVID-19 pandemic has had on the lives and livelihoods of informal traders in South Africa. Rashida, thank you so much for joining us here on the COVID report. Could you please start by elaborating for those that may not know what the informal sector actually is and what different parts of it actually exist in South Africa? And in the same breath, could you also please explain to us what the role of the South African Informal Traders Alliance entails? Thank you very much. Informal traders, a phenomena that is so often misunderstood. The informal trader is someone that is out there, not because of desire, but because of their survival. Informal trade is probably the first stepping stone to earning living outside the formal sector, where you can go to a corner in front of your house, on the taxi ranks, et cetera, et cetera. Informal traders currently in South Africa are over 4 million. And it's expanding due to the many retrenchments during COVID in the formal business sector. More unemployment, and you know that People have to be resilient. They cannot allow their children to go to bed without food, not to have transport for school. So they are going to find a way of earning a living. And that is, I think, how the informal economy started, by that desire to create a home environment, not to be in poverty, not to be on the begging list, not to be out there and uh, doing nothing because we know government has its own problems, but to go out there by earning your own income. So informal traders have grown by their numbers, and we consider ourselves as the biggest job creators in this country. Therefore, in 2013, Sahita was launched nationally with the support of Sticknet International. Stignet is an organization that looks after the rights of traders, and they are in about 60 countries across the world. And South Africa at that time did not have the one voice within the informal sector. So with the assistance of Dr. Pat Horn, CITA was born as a national movement to represent the informal traders, to become the united voice for the voiceless. And we were launched with having representatives throughout the nine provinces in 2013. Currently, we are recognized as a national body. Just as a point of interest, we're meeting with the Minister of Small Business to discuss many, many issues. Of course, we waited a year to have this meeting. 
So, yes, that is the informal trade is who we are in every corner, taxi rank, all over in spaza shops, on the streets, no infrastructure, etc., etc. Now, if we want to go into the COVID, this COVID hit us so unprepared. We were in turbulence. We did not realize what was hitting us. All of a sudden, we were told to close shop. Bearing in mind what I said, the informal trader is there not by desire, but by survival. How am I going to feed my family tomorrow? It is not uh, an informal trader's income. Well, there are grades of informal traders, yes, but the bulk, the majority, is basically day in and day out. Today I make a 200 rand, 50 rand for transport, another 50 rand for food, etc. What do I have over to buy new stock? So it's a day-to-day scenario. Our livelihoods were cut off at that point. We found ourselves in shock. And as Saita, we had to group, regroup, and find solutions. We engaged government. We were made certain promises by government, which up till today have not materialized. But because of the resourcefulness of informal traders, they need to keep their families going. And in particular, the majority are women in South Africa. They went on, you know, it was the one helping the other, the neighbor coming to assist, the brother lending me a 500 rand so I can buy stock, etc., etc. But we continued as CITA to mobilize. We were able to disseminate the protocols of COVID, to educate our members on what is allowed and not allowed, because you must now understand, after the at level three, level four and three that we came back. When the food and the fruit and veg traders were allowed to come back, it was still very high risk. We have had many deaths in our communities. Even the Western Cape's chairperson passed on in May last year because of COVID. And uh, yes, we are still grieving with uh, the toll it has taken on us. But we had to persevere and we had to continue. And still today, many of the traders are not fully on their feet. Many are not back yet. They lack the capital to restart again. So it is so a very sad moment as we're speaking here now. CITA is preparing the campaign, the right to trade which will be a national campaign throughout the nine provinces coordinated by CITA because the harassment, the no harm is still not there. You'll find that municipalities are still very vindictive. Some of them, if you don't have a permit, you cannot trade, you are arrested, your stocks is being confiscated. That is still the order of the day. And provinces have come to a state, 
You know, we have the national platforms where we chat on WhatsApp and also once a month we meet under the coordination of StreetNet. And in these national meetings, we will hear the stress and the complaints of government not being there for us. And we have now decided enough is enough. We are launching the campaign of the right to trade, which I hope you will follow as well. Thank you very much for the insight you have just given us into the ways in which the pandemic has impacted the informal trading sector. Now, to that end, could you also unpack what rights people within the informal sector have with regards to labor laws and legislation? In what ways did the regulations violate um, informal traders? Well, firstly, our trading rights were cut off because people, they even had to do it under the tables, if I may say that, illegally trading because it is the risk of getting COVID or the risk of going hungry. And a mother is not going to allow her child to go to bed without a plate of food. So that was very high risk. The risks that women took, not only women, some men, that they were not allowed to trade, but they went out there in a manner uh, to bring in some form of income instead of begging and borrowing, etc. Now imagine you've always been a trader. You've always been trading on a certain spot. Now you're told, sorry, you can't trade. You have to go make a new application. Many applications were refused. Many of the municipalities, and I know the one was in Kimberley, yeah, Northern Cape, we had to appeal with the assistance of Sydney to, to get our rights right through to national government. In Cape Town, for example, where I live, where I trade on Grand Parade, we were told we are a flea market and they're not opening us. So we went to Legal Resource Centre and we did litigation to get our traders back. Because our traders are people that they are day-to-day survivalists. And it's not a flea market where you go once a week where you're going to uh, sell a few odds and ends that's in your home. No, we are trading there for our daily bread and butter. So we took the city of Cape Town to court and we got our rights to go back to trade. It went as high as the minister. LRC, we are really very, very grateful for the assistance that we got there. We also did not get the relief packages. So much money was made available through government. But when it had to come to us, they put so much red tape in our way that we could not successfully access that relief funds. So although there was, I think the number was 500 billion was put out for relief, none of that came into the hands of the informal traders. And these are the matters that we are putting onto the agenda with the minister right now. Although we long into the COVID, it's still COVID. And the other thing about COVID as well, they made a commitment, the municipalities, bearing in mind local government is basically the landlord of informal traders. They made a commitment, no fees, no permit fees to be paid whilst you are during COVID. 
But last year, August, they started taking payments again. And now people are being threatened. You haven't paid. We're taking your bay away. The campaign, my right to trade, is of vital importance as I am putting my family's life at stake by trading. If I don't trade, they will die and be on the poverty line. So we are fighting for our rights as informal traders. There is not enough done by government. We, for example, the social protection that formal workers get, none of us have social protection. If a young female trader, informal trader becomes pregnant and she needs to leave to have the baby and have a few months off, when she comes back, that, that space is taken away. She had no maternity leave. She was not covered. In 2015, the ILO uh, passed a recommendation, R204, for the formalization of the informal sector. Now, we are working on that, but we cannot implement that if government are not partners in the implementation. So it's no use having this whole big drive for the transformation from informality to formality, but nobody's coming to the party except the informal trader. We are looking for decent working space. Currently, what do you see when you go to a taxi rank or a street market? You see the traders in the wind, in the rain, no, no formal infrastructure, no toilet facilities, no water, running water available. We have been crying for donkey years for an enabling environment for the informal traders. If we build up the informal trade, if we're making it more enabling, we would be able to grow and develop with the assistance of government, with the necessary training and upskilling. And in that manner, if our businesses grow, we are able to employ one or two people. Imagine if half of the informal traders can have that enabling environment and offer one person a job, we would employ two million people. But misunderstanding, misnomer of informal traders are of nuisance value. But the contribution to the GDP is quite high. I think up to 15, 18%, if not more. And more and more people are entering the informal sector. Our country needs to realize that the engine of the economy is lying within the micro business sector because it's growing so fast. And we are appealing from every corner, CITA is on every platform to ask for the assistance of government and everyone else to be there for us, to create it, not to create it for us, to create it with us. We are saying nothing about us without us. When you plan or you want to write a policy for the informal sector, let the informal sector sit at that table to discuss and consult with you. So we come out with a win-win policy that we have agreed to. But the programs that they're bringing out, the, the relief funds that they brought out, it's far too bureaucratic and not attainable by us as informal traders.
So then let's talk about the My Right to Trade campaign. A lot of informal traders aren't socially protected in the country. Do you believe this is partly due to the attitude that certain sectors of South African society have towards informal traders and how that attitude filters through to the government and how the government themselves look at uh, the informal trading sector? And in what ways is the My Right to Trade campaign looking to address this matter? It is important to note the My Right to Trade campaign has emanated over the years of frustration, engaging, writing, uh, picketing, marching, and nothing being done. In 2016, we did a also a national one, but it wasn't on IO, not as big as what we're planning now, but we embarked on the cities we want. And many of the provinces participated, not all. And then we handed over our um, demands to our premiers. But nothing has changed. Yes, we accept your, your, your demands. We will look into your demands. But reflecting back from 2016 to now, five years later, we see, but guys, we are worse off. We are worse off and we cannot allow this. So, you know, it is important to realize the numbers of the sector. The numbers are so huge, and yet government, municipalities, they are not assisting us in the bi-micro, bi-local. People would say, for example, I'm not going to the parade. No, it's a hot spot. You're going to be robbed. Why? because we don't have any good securities in our informal trading areas. Yes, indeed, drug dealing takes place in those areas. Yes, indeed, shoplifting and crime takes place. Why? Because government is not assisting us with resources that is part of the enabling environment that we want to work, to work within. So the, the, the campaign that we are embarking upon is to demand for implementation of our rights and to have a program, a plan with timeframes and commitment from government. For example, there's a 4 billion rand made available to the Department of Small Business Development now. How much of that is coming to the informal sector? Where is it going to be used? And also don't tell us we've done this, that and the other. As a national structure, we don't know what you've done. In the past, government would make statements, oh, we've made 25 million rand available for the micro sector. But we as the, the, the leadership of the informal traders in the different provinces would question each other. Do you know about it? Has it happened in your province? No. So that partnership, that consultative process is not there. We want that. It's our livelihoods. And if government can only realize by working with us, we can increase and, and, and really make our sector much more viable. I'm thinking of another uh, organization out here in Cape Town. Now, we know that 
the municipalities do not trust the organizations enough or don't. They don't have the faith and confidence that we could self-manage our markets. So now the, the municipality will give a permit if you apply, some get, some don't get, and that is why also the, the right to trade goes out because every person has a right to trade. But the selective uh, permits are being issued. So you get a trading permit, I don't. But they come to the markets randomly and they'll say, where's your permit? No permit, pack up immediately. We have seen what happened in Durban now a few days ago. And CITO distanced itself from any xenophobic attacks. Any violence, we do not operate in that manner. We must make that statement very clear. So in Belleville, as I'm trying to explain to you, you have an organization there, and let's say they have 300 members. But the city doesn't control it. The organization leadership take it amongst themselves to service their traders, although the traders pay to the municipality. And outside the trading areas is hundreds of traders who have absolutely no permits. We don't even know if they are legal traders. But the city will come and harass the legal traders under the organization. And that is why we have appealed to our MAKO members to walk about so that we can discuss the markets with them. They don't realize the potential of working with the sector. We, as the informal sector, feel that, you know, we are not given the recognition the way big business is given recognition. The malls are still full. The shop rights and checkers and whoever is still full. But we are struggling out there. Our traders are not earning a good living at the moment. And something needs to be done. We need to create that enabling environment. And we need to come out with positive planning that we can uplift the economy of our country together with government, not government foisting their will upon us. And they come out with the wrong plans. So the, the My Right to Trade is a campaign for real acknowledgement, awareness to all, not only to government and business, but to the local communities, to our residents, to our people of South Africa. This is the informal sector. This is what we do. This is who we are. This is how we support our families and this is how we contribute to the GDP. What do we get in return from our government? Harassment, victimization, no implementation of what their promises are. Certain organizations are at the point, but I've had these workshops over and over and over again. I have no confidence in my municipality. The municipality is not there for me, and we need to hold them account to what the constitution says. Local government is there for economic empowerment of communities. Indeed. Um, very powerful and insightful stuff you've just shared with us, Rashida. Thank you so much. Now, 
In the event that people within the informal sector lose their jobs or businesses due to the pandemic or any other matter, what space would they have to apply for and possibly receive compensation from the government? Has any such relief been provided for? And what do you and um, Saita make of the efforts that have been made to help ease the burden on informal traders in terms of how this pandemic has impacted them and their ability to earn? Yes. You know, government put that unemployment fund in place of 350 rand a month. Now, a food basket for a month for a family is no less than 3,500. But even accessing that 350 rand, our members are saying they did not get it. So systems is really not in place. What we are saying is we have a membership. We are not saying we're representing 4 million, no. We are saying we are addressing the voice of the voiceless. Many traders still need to come onto the database, but we are slowly getting there and we're getting there without any assistance. CITA is doing this because of their commitment to our economic development of our members, our people. So they could work through CITA to reach thousands upon thousands of members. And so others will get to hear it as well. But now they're dishing it out without consultation, without our knowledge, and we don't know who's getting and who's not getting, but the big thing that comes through is they're not getting it. Many people are not back. You must also remember there are many elderly people who, who get a grant, but that grant can't sustain them through the month. So they also do little things and they come and sell on the markets. Many of them haven't come back because of their comorbidities. You know, they, they're afraid of the health risks and that. But they are forced to pay fees. They are forced to give money for work. We're in the open. We don't have infrastructure of our heads. When the wind blows too hard or the rain comes down upon us, we cannot trade. So these people who have not come back, they need an incentive of a capital injection, even if it's not cash. But if government can say, fine, you're a spazer shop, okay, go there and we will give you a card where you can buy maybe up to 2,000 rand. You can now go and trade, pay back half, or that is your first incentive. After that, you develop and, and start getting sustainable again. But we need an injection, a capital injection, for many of the informal traders to go back to normal. They are not normal. The trade is not normal out there. What they earned before COVID and what's happening now, I am also the chairperson of the Grand Parade United Traders. And it hurts me when, you know, I have to listen to the traders. Yeah, they're spending their transport money. They're spending this, but they had no sales for the day. We need to bring the awareness of who we are, where we are, so that our communities can support us in the markets where we are, on the streets where we are. Support us so that we can support our families and we can further grow the economy. So currently, the challenges are very big.
and cap access to finance is taboo when it comes to the informal sector. Also access to markets. That's why right to trade, if the space is full here, do not create markets in white elephant areas where government wants to, oh, I'm going to put a nice little structure shelter up here, but nobody comes there. What's the use of putting a trader in a space where there's no footfall, where there's no feet coming through? Retail in the informal sector, it's about passing trade. It's about location, location, location. In some areas, they say, no, 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 you can't be in the CBD. You can't be here. You can't be there. But it's the bylaws of that municipality that's still so draconian that does not allow informal trade to be on the streets. And while that is the way our constitution is written, because municipalities have their own powers, the, the three spheres of government should amalgamate into one. There are too many spheres, local government, provincial government, national government, too many departments. The one arm don't know what the other arm is doing. We need a cohesive approach to informal trade, to solidarity economy. The mass must be empowered. Wow. A very passionate and very powerful discussion we've just had with the president of the South African Informal Traders Alliance, Saita for short. Uh, Rashida Muller joining us here on the COVID Report. Talk to us about the ways in which the COVID-19 pandemic has impacted the lives and livelihoods of those within the informal sector in South Africa. Rashida, thank you so much for the campaign, the My Right to Trade campaign that CITA is spearheading to help mitigate the impact of this pandemic and the general mistreatment or ill-treatment, rather, that the informal sector has been subjected to by certain sectors of South African society, including the South African government. I wish for sustained success on the front of the My Right to Trade campaign, and we thank you one more time for joining us here on the COVID Report. I thank you, and it's a great pleasure to speak about our sector, because we need the awareness across the country. Thank you to Rashida Muller, president of the South African Informal Traders Alliance, for joining us as a guest here on The COVID Report to help us facilitate this discussion about how the COVID-19 pandemic has continued to impact the lives and livelihoods of informal traders in South Africa. This podcast was brought to you by Voice of Vids. By Voice of Vids. To hear more of our shows, tune in to 88.1 or stream by www.vafm.co.za.